Welcome to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Rapici and Barry Falk. Hello, Michael. How are you doing this evening? Uh, hello, Barry. I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. And I am, if not full of beans, certainly excited to talk about boredom tonight. Paradox. We're already out of the gate and we have a paradox. Uh, I love it. We're going to talk... Um, about an article from Substack. I think it's probably important to note that um, uh, the medium is the mass age, right? Uh-huh. You know, more and more, I think bloggers are going to Substack. And also, another sociological remark right off the bat, I've noticed this might have some, I'm mentioning it because uh, we're talking about media. And there is something about this. So on the one hand, this is a media-inflected event. This is another case of form and content. And Fluent says form matters more than content. Well, the form of this is interesting in the sense that uh, I came across this uh, essay sort of because I was already on Substack and subscribing to some other Substack things. And then all of a sudden I discovered the author, Alberto Romero, who does a wonderful substack on AI. But the other thing I notice, and I think this might be another issue about form and content kind of coming together or being uh, form is being content in the media age, as McLuhan noted. Um, one of the weird things about substack is that even as I'm catching up with it, it's subdividing. That some of the authors that, some of the writers on substack that I was following as recently as November, mm-hmm. and we're talking in the end of January. Uh, I, I've received a couple notices saying, we're moving off this platform and going to another platform. Why is that? So it's like, it seems that uh, the internet giveth and the internet taketh away. I think there was this perception. I haven't done enough. Okay, at this point, I'll shut up, but I, I, I'll just give you the answer to the question and why I think it, why I brought it up in the first place. It seems like the internet is increasingly this, um, well, it's the Wild West. And, and there, there's, there is this tendency that I've noticed, and you probably noticed it too. People will find one platform, mm-hmm. right? And they'll say, we're safe here. This is a place where we can finally do our work. And then sometimes in very, very briefly, they will migrate to this other new platform that becomes the real paradise. I think paradise is always receding. So Dr. it's not, Ricci, it's you know what I'm saying. I do. I want to ask you a question about that though. It's yeah. not so much, and I don't mean to be pedantic here, but it's not so much then that the internet giveth and taketh. It's that the internet shifteth uh, in that case. So I'm getting kind or, of like, or, you know, it, it that may be, no, yes, that's a better way of saying than giveth and taketh. But, but let me, let me go with that for a second. Um, it may be that the internet shifted, but it may also be that the perception of the people who are on the internet is that we always have to be shifting, right? Well, I don't so know which of those two it is. Like, like right? as you're talking, I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, William Gibson vibes. Uh, you know, we had talked about pattern totally, recognition totally, with the whole totally. cool hunting. And so I'm wondering if that's not sort of what you're talking about here, where the you know, again, back to McLuhan, right? The medium is the mass age. Like we have to be careful or our, our authenticity or our purity somehow lies. I definitely feel that's a part in the of it. URL. 
I should have, I should have, well, I'm glad you did it. I should have immediately gone to Gibson because that I think is really what we're talking about. What I, did I use the word of like safe space or, you know, really the safe space is also the place where you feel at home, i.e. where you're more often, right? right? Right. Right. It's a possibility where there's all of a sudden the sense of possibility there, a uh, 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 um, potential or the greatest potential of authenticity. It may be about, and, and this is where I'll shut up. It may be just be about money because one of the things that, and you know, just the problem of, what to do with your writing when writing and intellectual labor is no longer monetized? Like, how do you do it? You know, Substack See, is meant to be a solution for that. I'm torn. And, I'm I'm torn mm-hmm. on that because I think, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, to interrupt you. Yeah, but no, I, I think that, that that question about money and authenticity is again tied to perceptions of corporate influence. At the same time, I sure, think that absolutely, it, it, it's weird because. This whole discussion that we're going to try and have is, you know, as I'm seeing it, it is wrapped in a series of paradoxes where, indeed, indeed, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, no, but, but it is, I mean, it's, it's the yes and, but all at the same time. Right. Well, aren't we clever buggers because uh, we're, we're, we haven't even gotten to the essay yet, but, uh, I think we're, we've been talking about media for as long as we've been talking, even though yep. we haven't gotten to the essay yet. But let's get to the essay now, which I I think will be, I, I think we are definitely going to be in the labyrinth and in the yes and but land. Uh, we started there and I think we're going to end there. Okay. We are talking about an essay, a wonderfully written essay by Alberto Romero. Um, and the particular blog post is called, and I guess we'll give all this information. Uh, in in the episode summary or whatever, but I'll give it here. Alberto Romero, October twenty fifth. So I I got came across this late. Uh, October twenty fifth, twenty twenty three. The most important skill in the twenty first century. And I'll read the subtitle, and then I'm going to read a um, a wonderful summary pad. There are many of these in here. This is a testament to Romero's skills writer. There are many wonderfully written, uh, crafted paragraphs in here where he gives you his main idea. And so I'll read you a portion. I'll read everyone a portion. I think it will convey the main idea of it. And we'll, I guess we can link it up to, we can give you more information in the summary. And then we'll, and then I think we'll, we'll be at it. We'll be off to the races. So Anyway, most important skill in the 21st century. Here's the subtitle. This world is a trap of perfectly customized entertainment. We need boredom. So that, in a, before I read the relevant paragraph, the subtitle gives you the two movements of the essay, or I guess the two major themes of the essay, is that to live in our media world... Um, our media world is not just a wonderfully, uh, wonderfully homely, you know, a wonderful home, virtual home, uh, in the sense that it is increasingly a home where we get a home that's built, uh, in many ways to our specifications and by our specifications, I mean, our specific wants, needs, and desires. But at the same time, uh, 
Romero considers this perfect home to be a little bit of a trap. In fact, that's his exact word. And what's his cure for the trap? Boredom. Because entertainment is meant to, entertainment is meant to save us from ourselves or for that from that part of ourselves that we're most uncomfortable with, which is the sense that our, we are too much with ourselves, that sense that you know we have nothing to do with our time, that sense of empty time where we're conscious of ourselves and therefore feel consummately empty and bored, bored. And here's a paragraph where he talks about the situation where Romero both describes the situation and also sketches out the alternative to the situation. Uh, as he sees it. Um, I'll read a little bit of two paragraphs here. Perhaps in an attempt to self-redeem their treason, he's talking about the basically the designers of our mm -hmm. new technology, this, of the uh, new technology platforms. Yeah, the tech people who created and pushed yeah. the, yeah. Okay. Perhaps in an attempt to self-redeem their treason to human values, they've convinced themselves that this new world of media brings us a step closer to an eternal life of hedonism and Epicurean culmination. In a facade of incredulous surprise, they ask, who doesn't want that? For others, for most others, certainly for Romero, I would imagine, it's a dream turned nightmare. I feel its appeal. It gets me every now and then, but I also recognize a visceral rejection boiling inside a kind of inexplicable intuition that tells me that it isn't right, that I shouldn't go there because I might never leave. And I'll just read one more bit and then I'll open it up to Dr. Repeating. And that's the thing, right? Perhaps deep down, we obsess over this paradise, but perhaps we are purposefully letting resilience, determination, willpower, and boredom fade away from our our vocabulary in exchange for entertainment, stimulation, and distraction. Perhaps we think that's how we escape our inherent suffering as human beings. It's a call hard to resist, yet it scares me more than the crudeness of the physical uphill mortal life that remains the alternative. Allow me one sentence more. Sure. Uh, Romero in, the, in these passages, and then I think in the essay itself, He's, it's an uphill climb, as he says, because he's saying there's a problem. The problem is that we're being constantly seduced by comforts and the comforts and the comfortable entertainment world that is offered by media. Uh, and in the process, we're going to lose grip. And we may even know that we're making this exchange that will not help us in the long run. But we're so seduced by the entertainments, by this familiar world or this world that seems better than our own, that we're willing to let by, let all these other things slip by um, because it means less suffering, less boredom, less only. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that, and I think this is right. So the first thing I want to say, because I want to be careful here, hmm. is that I don't think that he's arguing that these technologies are without merit. I think yeah, that what yeah, he's saying yeah. is mm -hmm. that there's they've become a pharmacon. 
right? They've solved problems, they've helped things, but they've become problems unto themselves. And so, you know, yes, indeed. Yeah, what, right. what, what, and what he's talking about with boredom is more than just being unstimulated, right? What he's really talking about, I think, is, is tapping into this sort of universal fear of being alone, of living alone, of dying alone, right? This alienation that we yeah, are yeah. terrified of. And so, you know, as he's saying here in so many words, we seek the thing that provides us the empty calories of connection, right? Like it stimulates us, but it leaves us even more disconnected. I mean, that's what social media does. And there's a ton of work out there that pokes at this exact thing. So in a way, and again, I'm, I'm trying to, to, to be careful about this, that, like if we look at what modern media has become, it's working in the same way that I think in many ways religion works, right? This idea that I don't know what comes next, but there's a promise of security after I die. If I, and, and again, I'm not saying that's the sole purpose. There's certainly value to it, legitimate value to it, but there's also this darker side of it that I think can be very seductive. Hmm. So I look at this as pharmacon of sorts and the question that i have the big question hmm. that i was thinking about so this. so to be clear though before you pose the big question mm -hmm. what is the it you see it as a pharmacon you're you talking about the media world this yes. media entertainment complex Th this, whole, this whole okay. co right. this whole this whole combination to be of artificial intelligence gotcha. social gotcha. media all gotcha. of these gotcha. things that have come together to form this force that's that pushes back boredom right this this idea that you have to always be turned in or tuned into something and so i got thinking about this as a really interesting contradiction in a way because if you look at obviously all of these social media feeds are are, are really governed by this personalized algorithm, which is designed to give you what you want to keep your interest, right? My students and I have talked about this a lot. Like if they saw what my feeds looked like, they'd be bored out of their minds. Oh. Hmm. So, but yeah, that's giving me what I want. And if I saw theirs, I'd be bored out of my mind. Yet it gives them what they want. So the question I have is hmm. what I see is a pushback of sorts against us. He's not the only one banging this gong, right? Romero is not, he's not a, a lone voice out in the wilderness. There's a lot of people who are arguing this, but the problem is where can you have this argument? On Substack, on Twitter or X, or, you know, it, it is a conversation that is had primarily on, on the internet. The internet. And the greater the problem, the greater the perceived problem, the more necessary the internet it is to have internet communication about it as a means of dissemination, because that's how you reach a bunch of people. So my initial question here was, can you leverage the very tool that creates the problem as a means of addressing or correcting the problem, or is that just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? You know, are we lipstick on a pig here? I think about 
how many mindfulness apps exist in the app store. Yeah. I, 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 mm -hmm. Please. No, please. I, I just, I, I, there, you, there's you have so a flow going. I'm not going to hurt the flow. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> not maybe, hurting the flow, man. Maybe we need to hurt the flow, but the, <laughs> you know, the, the, the question that I really, that, that, that sort of has been rattling around for me has been the pushback that I see. So I'll mm -hmm. give you an example, right? Like in fitness, I, I, uh, I'm very interested in human performance and there's this tension in these spaces and about performance because we have so much technology that can analyze mm -hmm. heart rate and body composition and sure. physical, you know, and, and, and predictive models that say your past performances have been X, your future performances mm -hmm. are likely to be Y if you can manage this data point and bring it here. Like we've, we have become data factories for ourselves in this regard. And so I look at this and there's this real concern among some pretty smart folks saying, look, if you really want to get the best out of this and get the best out of yourself, leave the technology behind, right? Like the stuff that is purporting to help you is getting in your way. So how does this information get conveyed? Well, it gets conveyed on, you know, it gets disseminated on podcasts like this, on newsletters, um, social media posts, like these people are very active and they're using the very same tools uh, in many ways or alternate tools, I would say, but similar in, in, in nature is the ones that they're saying are creating the problem. And I don't feel like it's disingenuous. I just feel like that's the, that's, that's how Absolutely you have right, to do it. Right, right, so right. I'm wondering if this is a viable opportunity to say, Hey, look, we have these tools to say, get away from these tools. Um, or if it's now just become sort of this spiral and these are the last guys, like, I, I don't know whether I buy it or not. The optimist in me says, yeah, this is how you communicate now. And, you know, sometimes the, the, the I don't know, like, can, can, can the pharmacon, can we, can, can we twist the problem to be the solution? Wow. wow. So that's what that's, that's, you know, cause you think about it, like that's how, this is done. Right. Wow. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Uh, do you, what, do you wish to add more or I'll, I'll retort now? No, now, I would love to hear you. Now, I mean, now I can have, so, actually, I want to say one last thing. I want to oh, say one please. last thing about this. So I, I sense there was more. Let's there's always other, but <laughs> one more thing. So this got me thinking about mm -hmm. the Nicholas Carr article in it was uh i looked this up it, apparently it was the july 1st 2008 issue of the atlantic where he wrote the article is google making us stupid mm -hmm. and the core of his argument was that tools like google which at the time were relatively new new right were actually rewiring the way the brain works right and that in 2008 we were no longer capable of deep sustained thought mm -hmm. we were reduced to little sound bites and blurbs Mm -hmm. And if that's 2008, you know, here we are in 24, mm -hmm. how much of this is no longer a rewiring? This is just the way we are. In mm -hmm. other words, the medium is now a necessity. Like we can't, we can't even think in, you know, an, an analog universe. We, 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 this is how it's done. Okay, well, I, I, I think I can retort now. Okay. Allow me to retort. 
unless you you want to nuance the argument further. But my retort actually it's clarified by what you you bring up with Carr. I do. I mean, it seems okay. First thing, it seems like you. Um, I guess we went out of the box mentioning McLuhan, but mm-hmm. let's mention him again. Um, you made that very pervasive argument that content doesn't matter. Content, arguments against boredom are less significant than the form in which we're getting the message, which is Substack, which is not boring because it's Substack, right? I mean, McLuhan would say form trumps content every time. And to that point, that if Substack becomes boring, it will migrate. You leave it. And it will go somewhere else. And then that little boredom is alleviated by the hunt. By going by the migration, right? Yeah. Okay. So 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 two thoughts. The, that's the first one. The first one, it seems like everything you were describing, including the car thing. No, no, the car thing will lead to my second point. But the but most of your first discussion, discourse, first part of the discussion thread, most of it was to me, it seemed kind of a confirmation of McLuhan. And insofar as it was recalling McLuhan, I think McLuhan already knew the answer, predicted the answer, which is, if it is a matter of form versus content, and we're talking about form and content within media, mm-hmm. form trumps content. Right. It just does. Okay. Um, in fact, I didn't plan this, but, but I'm teaching McLuhan. And I can, without really losing the flow, go directly to a page where he says this. It's at the very beginning, and that's significant. Very beginning of the medium is massage. Societies have always been shaped more by the nature of the media by which men communicate than by the content of the communication. Mm-hmm. Mic drop, right? Full stop. Okay, that's so it seems like that's the first thing we're saying. Now you bring up car and i'll throw it back to you um my second comment is this insofar as you're arguing in defense of boredom on substack there's a paradox here and we can call the paradox the pharmacon paradox but even if we don't elevate it or liken it to the pharmacon, it's a contradiction. It's a tension. Nonetheless, and here I, I, I think I'm responding to your car example about Google making us stupid. And it was already making us stupid 15 years ago or almost mm-hmm. 20 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine how stupid we are now. <laughs> yet, yet, okay, now this is what I want you to respond to, Dr. Fiji. Yet, I would say that both in 2008, 2018, and even on this day in 2020, we there's an obvious resolution. Hmm. There's an obvious resolution. Uh, there's an obvious cure, and it's not a pharmaceutical cure. It's not an ambiguous cure to the problems. And 
So now I'm going to go right to Romero. If we're going to, if Romero feels that we need boredom, as an and, and he's very Stieglerian. He doesn't block. He doesn't reference Stiegler in this, but I think he's in. He's arguing in defense of boredom for the same reason that both Young Chohan and Bernard Stiegler think that boredom is important. That boredom paradoxically feeds memory, and therefore feeds retention. Okay, so there's there is that cognitive imperative, right? Okay, so if that's the solution, you need boredom because you need resistance, some sort of experience of the negative in order to build our mental skills, i.e. our memory, our retention, all the Byung-Chul-Han, Stiegler things. If that's the case, the solution's easy. It really, but it really means going analog. There is no ifs, ands, and buts. There's no shortcut. And okay, now I really will shut up. But the, but I, in direct response to one of the things you said, uh, you're talking about the paradox. You know, there is a paradox or a kind of circularity to Romero complaining about internet dumbness by use, using an internet platform. And there's a way in which that kind of limits the message and restricts the message. But there is also an easy way to take Nicholas Carr at his word, to take Romero at his word and seek boredom. And I think it's pretty obvious to me that the best way to seek boredom is to not use your phone. And this is where it becomes, and again, I guess we can point to Byung-Chul Han. There is a way in which what I'm saying is it's the way, it's the Buddhist way of breaking out of a paradox. The Buddhist, uh, the Zen Buddhist way of breaking out of a paradox of existence or a contradiction of existence is through practice. Uh -huh. That action slices the, 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 the contradiction of logic, of mental logic. Okay. So, you know, so like, what's the purpose of the Zen cone? What is the sound of one hand clapping? In the language of discord, in language, there is no answer. But there is an answer. You know, the whole point of it is to do something and not to think of it in a logical proposition. So in other words, turn off your internet. And, so and, yeah, this is great. And I think that's wonderful. But there's a couple assumptions in here that I think are a little Look, problematic. So uh, first I'm of all, ready to answer all assumptions. So this idea that the answer comes through action yes. is apparently scientifically uh, valid beyond a whole lot of question. I just listened to a really interesting mm -hmm. podcast by uh, a neuroscientist from Stanford named Andrew Huberman. Um, and he was talking about uh, neuroplasticity and it's an older podcast, but I just came to it. And the big, the, the, the thrust of the discussion he was having, it, this was, he was on um, the rich roll podcast. So it's one of these, two and a half, three hour long form discussions, right? Um, soaked in memory. And I mean, you, you don't have that conversation without attention, right? And one of the key points they kept coming to was this idea that action precedes mindset, right? That if you want to 
feel a certain way, you have to act first. And there is, um, you know, scientific backing that that supports this. But here's the question I have about this. Mm -hmm. If you just put the phone away, if you Mm -hmm. just unplug your router, if Mm -hmm. you, if you Mm -hmm. do these things, in other words, if we say something akin to, okay, Mr. Carr, I got it. Google made me stupid. I'm going to remove Google from my world, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that de-Googling makes us smarter. I don't know that this river flows backwards. Oh. You know, If we've been conditioned to think and see a certain way, And we can remove ourselves from that and then potentially revert to an earlier state. That's one thing. But, you know, for people past a certain age, that's a plausible thing. I can go back and I can remember my world before I was tethered. Uh, We're going to invoke everybody tonight. That's that's, that's my nod to Sherry Turkle, right? Um, But- you know, I look at my students, for example, who have never, ever had a Google-free world, mm-hmm. for whom AI is as natural as anything non-digital they're going to encounter. Yeah, exactly. And so I don't know that you can, like, you know, I guess there's there's one argument that says the, the brain is wired a certain way and we can go back mm-hmm. to it. But you're going back to something that was never really there. And then beyond that, why would you? And this is the problem that Romero's having. Like this, this is his struggle. Mm-hmm. Why would I give up mm-hmm. these dopamine hits, this, this, this reminder that I can, you know, every time I get what I want, mm-hmm. right? That 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 feeds the ego a little, not the ego, excuse right, me, the, right. Uh, whatever. And it pushes me that much. For, why would you discipline yourself if you don't need discipline? Because, oh, I okay, you bring up a, the, the example of children. Mm-hmm. Allow me to bracket that off because I okay. think that is a separate discussion. But I'm not even, I'm uh, not talking, I'm, I'm not talking ahead, about, I'm, I'm not talking about kids, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm talking about, 18, 20, like this 25 year old. Well, no, wait, well, wait a minute. Uh, I thought you were saying, first off, you were saying there is a group of people without memories of, I thought you were making a distinction, an age-based distinction. Among I am, but that age, I'm not, no, I'm not talking about elementary okay. school kids. They certainly fit this okay. mold. But I think that if you go into your classroom tomorrow, the vast majority of your students would have a very hard time uh-huh. mm-hmm. accessing a past that did not involve a sure. very, very heavy dose of the digital. Sure. And I think that every, so maybe what I'm saying is that this discussion is, is facing a clock. And at a certain point, you're not going to go back. Okay. Let your let your argument find a resting point so I can talk about I'm good. it. I think you found it. I think you yeah. found it, the resting point. Okay. I still want to bracket off 18 and younger. Okay. Okay. To answer your question. So I'm only going to partly answer the question because mm-hmm. I think it's it will take a separate kind of discussion to mention to encompass the 18 and younger. But 
18 and older, I think there is a powerful reason to get in the habit. And, you know, I, I, I love your point because I do think that what I was talking about in terms of the Buddhist sort of breaking out of the spell and entering nirvana, that's not, you know, I, I invoke that. But realistically, I agree with you. There, there's only so far that metaphor goes. Uh, but I would also say, and this would be, I think, true and applicable for the 18 and older, is that uh, it's not required to enter into nirvana. But what's necessary and possible is for people to begin the practice, now I'm picking up the Buddhism, to begin the practice of mindfulness and of discipline and of cultivating boredom as a habit. It will not replace Google. I'm sure these same people will be forced to use Google at some point in their life. I'm not talking about purity in other words, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about nirvana, but that would not, not being able to be totally pure, not being able to achieve nirvana, uh, would not be a reason to not, <laughs> to avoid adopting the practice, the mild habit of unplugging. So, okay. So I have a question. Is this a- Because you don't want to be an addict. And, and that's, that's the final part of it. Let me say that part. Because you don't want to be an addict. So why would you want to do that? Because you don't want to let that have power over. See, I, and maybe this is a shortcoming on my end here, but I see this as kind of a zero sum game. Hmm. And no well, if you're going to, I don't know that you can, I, I guess you can wean yourself off and you can try and create Mm -hmm. these analog spaces you can go for a walk and leave your stuff at home right go for a bike ride go for a swim do whatever you want to do but i wonder if we're really at a point where we can carve out enough space hmm. so that when we do return that's a good point i i i take your point you know i would still think that my only you know so i i i take that point and I do think, and trying to answer your question, I do think that you, you'll notice I backpedal. I'm holding on to my position, but I backpedal. I went away from Nirvana and I started saying, we can carve out safe spaces. Right. right? And see that to, so, to but me. The, I, I oh. would still say, and, and then you're saying, well, how safe are these safe spaces? I would, I'll take, I'll take your point. I'll say, Maybe they're not safe enough. They're not as safe as I want them to be. But again, I think it, you have to will. You have to have a project of the will. Otherwise, you surrender will. I get no. I think that's right. I mean, I feel this is sort of like the task of Sisyphus here. You know, it's like you're gonna you're gonna push back against this, but the second you let go, well, I think what you just described. No, you're right with the Sisyphus, but. I'm I'm trying to keep my religious metaphors consistent tonight. The Buddhists would say that we are all Sisyphus. I right. in other words, you know, this idea what you just described as I'm going to do something, but I'm going to have to repeat it. 
all the time. Uh-huh. And it's never going to work once and for all. The Buddhists would say, well, yeah, that's called practice. That's See, called action, right? Yeah, this is practice like- isn't going to be a cure for existence, right? Practice isn't a cure. It's not think- a pharmacon. It's not a pharmacon. It's a practice. See, that's a tough sell for me. Well, that's because you don't like practice, right? You don't like that idea of a practice, a ritual practice. No, I. That's not. This is not a matter. No, no. I, it's not that. Right? I, it's not. It's not. Not in a personal way. I think that this gets back to the question. You say, well, look, you have to go to to access this very important and dying part of yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to step mm-hmm. away from this thing that you love that makes you feel good because it's not love it really do you love it well you know wait a minute here that's a good call that's a good catch check that word that's a good catch that word what is it about that you really love it is an addiction right and you have convinced yourself that you love it and you convinced yourself that it's and you is the the royal you here right it's not right right, it's not barry falk um right of course but it's it's like that that conviction is strong that 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 belief that this is either harmless or that it gives you something you need i mean this is this is i i don't know i i think that's a hard sell and i don't know that we're oh we're uh, wired like that no argument no argument that we're romero but i think you know to to his credit he realizes how hard, I mean, we've been picking apart the contradiction at the heart of his essay. I think he's very aware that this is the hardest of hard cells. And when I'm equating it, and look what I'm doing, Michael, I'm I'm equating it with Buddhist practice. Who's going to be a effing Buddhist well, monk, here, right? Let's you know, at, it's hard. Look, look, here, here's where we are. Look, I'm going to read the last paragraph of his, of his essay Please. here. He says, easier said than done. Full stop. That silence that was ubiquitous in ancient times is no longer an intrinsic property of the world. And that's my argument, right? Like we've been, we're in a different space. It can now only be found in the deepest corners of nature that are distant, alien, almost alien to most of us. You'd have to look for it high up in the mountains, gazing out over a vast forest of tall trees with lush green tops so that all you hear, apart from your pleading mind, forcibly absent of one more gratifying interference and barely a murmur to your unaccustomed senses are the leaves whispering in the wind, man, you got to go here. That's, you got to go. Wow. Okay. Can, can I respond to that? Absolutely. I, I had forgotten that passage, you know, um, well, great call. That passage really does. It's very appropriate to the discussion thread because he, he recognizes what we've been talking about for at least the last five minutes. This is a hard sell. It's a hard call. But you know, when you read that over, here's my response to it. And I'd like to hear your response to it. I actually think, I'm keeping in my, my Buddhist metaphor in mind. I actually think that it's not, so like, go ahead and read those first two sentences again. I, I can pin it down even quicker. Easier said than done. That okay. silence that was ubiquitous in ancient times is no longer an intrinsic property of the world. Well, okay, true enough. Next sentence, I guess. It was the it, next sentence. It can now only be found in the deepest corners of nature that are distant. I, that's it. I question that. I question that. 
I, I, I think what I was talking about in terms of the Buddhist purification process, uh, even though I'm invoking Buddhist practice, I wasn't thinking of anything as pure and pristine as that. I don't think you have to have a nature retreat in order to turn off your effing cell phone. In order to refuse to, I, I think a ma something major will be accomplished if you refuse to do, if you refuse to, you know, if you start your mental routine uh, in the morning without looking at your phone first. So I think you're right. I think what he's getting at here, though, is that socialization, oh, right? yeah. interpersonal yeah. communication is now constantly mediated. And sure. if you and I are sitting together somewhere, having a cup of coffee, right? Sure. Face to face in the same place. And you say to yourself, I'm not even taking my phone with me. I'm leaving my, home, my phone on my coffee table. Mm -hmm. And you, God forbid, leave the house without your phone, mm -hmm. right? We sit down. The second I look at my phone, that has now invaded your space as well. And so I think the idea here is that to get yourself truly detached, you literally have to go to the ends of the earth. I would still respond that maybe that's raising the bar too high. I wonder if you have to raise the bar as high as he's doing it. Hey, he has to write his Substack essay. Hey, he has to come up with a conclusion. That's a great conclusion. You don't want to be, you know, pitching down for your conclusion. I totally approve with him rhetorically. I totally approve of the high-flown rhetoric. But it's a little uh, hyperbolic. But I think, you know, in terms of what I'm saying, I, I question, yeah, I question the extremes. Okay. Well, I don't know. See, I want, and this is this is going to be the ultimate cop-out conclusion. Are you ready? I am going to absolutely just roll over on this one here, right? I, but But necessarily, I wonder if, like the algorithm, mm. this is all somehow like if you can even make generalizations like this or is my interaction and the degree to which this is dumbing me down or or hmm. or, or preventing me from being bored hmm. is is because my interaction okay question is it because my interaction is uniquely tailored to me because AI is sending me the mic version of this and you the right, berry right. version of this. Right, right. Does that then mean that the nature of my quest for boredom hmm. and the steps that I will take to attain that or to approach that hmm. can be different? Maybe you're right, you know, that this doesn't need to be a, a total wholesale rejection, which I think is impossible. At this which point. I think is impossible too. Right. But if maybe... There are so many baby steps that achieve so much space. You know, like this is this is uh to, to to bring Stiegler back into this discussion, right? This is intermittence. It's just getting out of that plug for a second long enough to take a yeah. deep breath. I think that's really what you're getting at here. Yeah. You know, I I perhaps wouldn't have had to evoke the Buddha if I had thought about the Stiegler intermittent concept because we are and uh, you know what i was trying to invoke and i think what you've been talking about and what romero is certainly talking about when it is something like intermittence the reason he likes boredom and thinks we should cultivate boredom is because boredom leads to intermittence right 
And intermittence itself is a pathway to memory, retention, creativity. So along that line, for whatever reason, every time I think of Stiegler and intermittence, I think of riding a train and sticking your head out the window and just getting out for however long that takes. And that's really the idea that comes to my mind. Um, so maybe if that's the case, then yeah, just stick your head out the window. Is that how this ends tonight? I, I think that's our closing moment. Dear here. listener, if you're driving in your car, keep your head inside. <laughs> so the, the answer to all questions are to avoid boredom, stick your head out of the window. Yeah, I like it. And do it repeatedly, right? Okay, that's your I'm, Buddhist I'm going routine. with it. Well, okay. I think I think that's our closure for today. That's, that's what I got. Barry? Uh, all right. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you. Enjoy, enjoy the breeze through your hair. Enjoy the breeze through my non-existent hair. Take care, <laughs> sir. I'll talk to you later, sir. Thanks for listening to the Critical Media Studies Podcast. To find out more about the show, check out our webpage at criticalmediastudiespodcast.com. Mm-hmm.